This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Great day for talk radio. It's a Thursday edition. I've been away for several Thursdays, it seems, because I've not seen these gentlemen for the longest of time, and uh, I barely recognize them in their winter regalia and garb. Anthony Fury and Andrew Clark, the Sound and the Fury panel, has weighed in this afternoon. How are you guys doing? Great. Okay, one of you is. I'm doing great. I'm, I, it's good to see you again, John. We missed you. You're, you're looking fantastic. You're well, sounding better than ever. Oh, there you are. Ditto. Uh, and so uh, let me start with you, Anthony Fury, because uh, as a matter of fact, last hour we had Pierre Polyev on. He's the uh, Conservative Party of Canada's finance critic. We were just talking about the financial update statement that was made by Bill Morneau on Monday. And uh, he was, you know, basically lambasting. Uh, the minister is saying, you know, these guys have blown through all projections for deficit reduction, such as that is. Uh, now the deficit's going to hum around $27 billion in the current fiscal, get up to who knows where after that. I wondered if he was going to run for leader. You're saying uh, in a recent column, expect an issues-based conservative leadership race this time around. Why are you so confident of that? Well, because I think, John, that where we're at right now in Canadian politics, you know, there's been past eras and moments and so forth where there hasn't been really super pressing things. Like, yes, everybody wants taxes to be lowered and, you know, you got to manage your international relationships, et cetera. But there hasn't been like these almost do or die existential things we've been facing. There are right now. You've got the Western alienation stuff, which is really tied into whether or not we expand the resources sector, or if you take uh, the words of Ms. Thunberg, you got to shut her all down. So we're having a major sort of polarized fight on that. We're dealing with the China file, which is really a question of of, of how do we want to assert ourselves moving forward in, into the next century, into, you know, definitely this next, next decade, the next century. A lot of these big picture issues. So if you're running for conservative leader, which, you know, in minority government means you're running to be potentially prime minister in the next 18 months, you got to have an answer to these questions. It's not enough to say, hey, I'm bilingual and, you know, I sound nice and so forth. I'm winnable. I can do unity for the party. That ain't it. you got to solve the problems. Well, all right. I was asking Polyev about that. I said, first of all, are you planning to run? He says he's going to run it past a focus group of three, his mother, his wife, and his daughter. And uh, if they green light him, he's good to go. Although I didn't say this, but Andrew, I'd, I'd question, because I've been thinking, scratching my head, maybe you can clear this up. Uh, do you think Canadians are ready to elect a leader with glasses? <laughs> we've, no, we've, we've never had. I mean, uh-huh. think about it. That's a, wow, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I hope we're above our anti-glass, glassism or whatever you want to call it. Well, it comes uh, down to image, doesn't it? I think so. I mean, it, it's not, he's not Robert Stanfield. I don't think you have that big of an image problem. I think that, you know, Anthony's right. I think that they're going to have to look at the issues because it's going to be down for truth. Like the next budget is a big budget. It has to be more than just sort of like bagged salad that you buy at the Loblaws. There has to be some real explanation as to what's going on. And I think that the country is polarized. But though I also remember other times like, you know, I think, 95, where, where Quebec was deciding whether or not to, to vote to separate. So it almost, there seems to be nothing more Canadian than being polarized in a somewhat polite way. Uh, but I mean, right now, everybody's talking about Rona Ambrose as the big front runner. And I mean, that's, that, that almost tells you that that won't happen. I don't know. It just, it seems like there's going to be a lot going on. But the glasses thing, that throws me for a bit of a loop. I hope that we're beyond uh, people with glasses not being fit for public office. Maybe not great relief pitchers. But, <laughs> well, know. yeah, okay. Not, it's not that they're not fit for public <laughs> office. It's just, you know, the public, it seems like there's a super. There. How do we explain the phenomenon of Justin Trudeau? It's image, isn't it? 
Is this, I know you're a gentleman with some fine glasses on right now. Is this like, you know how George Costanza said, I want to live in the 20s when you wear a hat. Every man wore a hat. It was a bald man's paradise. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, all right. Well, no, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm wondering about the leadership qualities uh, apart from, you know, just uh, superficial stuff and image and so on, because we've, we've tasted enough of that. And in fact, you're actually bullish on the fact that Justin Trudeau is going into what you call semi-retirement, Anthony. Is he? You know, this is a really wild thing when the mandate letters drop the other week and, and we learn what they're tasked with doing. And most of them you say, okay, climate change minister, you got to, you know, keep going harder with the carbon tax and all that. Okay, I get all of that. And immigration minister and Christy Freeland, deputy prime minister. And we thought, oh, maybe he gave her that role to kind of keep her busy but not get too powerful because she wants to be prime minister. And deputy PM, that's a figurehead role, like, you know, the vice president in the U.S. and everything. And you read the mandate letter. It says she's to play the top role in every key federal file. And I'm reading this, I'm like, that, but that's what happens if you put out a job posting, that's the president and CEO. Mm-hmm. That's the person calling the shots. So Christy Freeland's doing all the big things, and Justin Trudeau, I, I don't know, John, he's just ghosting away from the job. He's just run for re-election and says, I want this thing. He gets it. All right, see you later. I'll be back in two weeks. It, well, is, it is bizarre. I can't, it's perplexing. Maybe it's a succession plan. Well, there you go. Or uh, he recognizes that he's damaged goods. He wants to lay low for a while and, uh, you know, let somebody else assume some of the heavy lifting. Uh, I think, ironically, I think that he's probably quite quite the introvert, even though he's known for mm. doing so well externally. Uh, but I think if you talk to sort of liberal um Movers and shakers now in Ottawa, they feel like the government's kind of adrift. I mean, you mentioned the Minister of Finance. Most people don't really know who that is. The average Canadian probably doesn't. And, yeah, we really haven't heard much of Justin Trudeau. Uh, So, you know, it it just makes that this budget coming up more and more critical. Because if he can't make a real argument for what his government's doing two terms in, he has a big problem. Well, you know, the thing with budgets in general, and I've been riffing on this for well, a couple of days now that uh, Morneau came out with his financial statement on Monday, uh, deficits are really almost inconsequential, ditto for debt. Uh, And so, you know, when we talked to Polyev, I brought it up as well. I mean, can a true blue conservative, to the point you were making earlier, you know, it's going to have to be somebody issues-based, is what you're saying, Anthony. Uh, Can that person carry the country, uh, or is there too much of a gravitational pull towards the progressive side of things? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And, and you know, I, I think one of the things that was interesting about 2015 is Justin Trudeau really rewired our brains in terms of how we think about deficits and debt. And he said, $10 billion, I'm, I'm just going to do it. It's this wild and wacky thing. And NDP leader Tom Mulcair said, you know, I, we, we can't do deficits. It's just, you know, it's fiscally irresponsible. Trudeau went out there and did, and he was half apologetic about it. But people said, okay, okay, that's, that's fine. And the rule of liberal economics, Keynesian economics, is uh, when times are good, that's when you pay off the debt and you get ready, and then you hunker down because, you know, 10 years from now, things maybe might not be so good. You want to clean up the books. This flies totally in the face of all of that. People aren't too bothered. I, I think because we're not feeling it yet, 20% young male unemployment in Alberta is pretty rough. If we start feeling broader things elsewhere... People are going to start to want action. Andrew mentioned 1995 when not only was there separation, but that was when Paul Martin and Cretchen had the mandate to to really start trimming the books, and Mike Harris had the mandate too. So I think people were feeling it. Uh, I wasn't a columnist back then, but you know I'm told that it was much more raw than it is right now. I don't want people to have to start to feel it. I don't want to have to hear about broken homes and families and everybody losing their job for people to go, okay, let's clean up the books. But it seems like that's the way the the returning story works. 
What are what's going to happen when the rubber meets the road? I was reading today, for example, John Wilkinson. I guess he's the environment minister, and uh, he's trying to lower uh, the emissions to, I guess, this zero carbon economy by 2050, and uh, certainly to meet the Paris targets by 2030. And now there's this big mine in the oil sands, one of the last, I guess, uh, tech or whomever are going to be the ones behind. It's a $40 billion project with countless hours of jobs, construction, and so on and so forth. But it's also going to lead to greater emissions. Uh, and they're promising that, you know, they're going to not step in the way of business and so on. And so how does he square that circle? He points out a story that came out I saw in the CBC. University of Ottawa researchers find that they have developed carbon capture that is more powerful than they anticipated it would be, and it's going to work a lot faster. And I think the frustrating thing, and I think what conservatives should do, is your free market people, so they're going to be pressured. They're all going to be pressured during this race. Oh, conservatives have got to learn to love the carbon tax and so forth. No, 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 no. They've got to talk about the free market solutions. We're not hearing this. All we hear is this one blunt instrument. has to be a carbon tax. I mean, how lazy is that, John? Oh, we got this major, you know, global problem. Tax it. Tax it into oblivion. You look at that University of Ottawa story, I think that the uh, research and R&D, both corporate world and, and in the academic world, they're doing a lot of great things. And, you know, we look back at the Thomas Malthus thing. Well, he didn't realize that we were going to have innovations in agriculture, which meant we didn't need to mass kill off a billion people to make it through. <laughs> I think something similar is going to happen in, in the climate sphere. And I think uh, conservatives need to talk about that stuff. All right. So it's a market-driven uh, decision or at least solution waiting to happen. Let's come back. Uh, there are some things dealing with carbon and cars that I wanted to touch on. Uh, we'll get to that because I see where Andrew in the Globe and Mail penned a fine piece that deals with, well, car commercials at this time of the year. And on the commercial front, uh, it was the Supreme Court, actually, who overruled the CRTC when it comes to Super Bowl ads. The Sound and the Fury, Anthony Fury from The Sun, Andrew Clark, contributing writer for the Globe and Mail. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.